Bridge Church in Virginia Beach. Honor and joy it is for me to do this. Let me take just a minute and talk about my subject today. I want to talk about rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. You got your Bible? I hope you got your Bible, your notepad. I want to look at a narrative of, of scripture that comes out of the book of John. And most of you know this, John was the youngest disciple when Jesus was on the earth, but he actually lived the longest of all the disciples. He lived to die of old age. All the other apostles were martyred. John lived literally to an old age. And so John is writing his, his gospel. The other passages he wrote, the book of Revelation, the three epistles of John. He writes all of them from several years down the road. In other words, He's looking back on events that happened and calling to mind the impact they had, not only on his life personally, but also on the church, the, the infant church as it was emerging and beginning to come forward. And he writes in John chapter seven, this is where we're gonna pick up today. John chapter seven, verse number 37. He said, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said with a loud voice, if anyone who is thirsty will come to me and drink, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant those who believed in him were later to receive. Now remember, he's looking back. So he'd already received the spirit of God at Pentecost, but he's looking back going, oh, I know now what he was talking about. He was saying these rivers of living water were going to pour out of our lives, but he was talking about the spirit which we were to, who would believe in him, would receive later. And up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus. You know, we're living in a time today right now, I, I, I live in Oklahoma City. It's no different here than it is in Virginia Beach. All of our nation, in fact, the whole world, is being affected by a global crisis. Bruce calls it a shaking. While the world is shaking, we've discovered that every human dilemma, listen to me closely, every human dilemma, personal level, can be categorized by two primary things. Every dilemma you face today is probably categorized by two things. Number one, fear. Fear is a result of an emotional difficulty. Something in my life has been emotionally moved in a direction that's not the way God wanted it to be. Fear and faith are not the opposite. In fact, the Bible says that the opposite of faith is sight. Fear is actually faith with a negative direction. It's believing something bad is gonna happen and you lean into that. And what happens is emotionally we become full of turmoil. One of the human dilemmas that we're facing is fear. The other human dilemma that we face as individuals is we face doubt. Doubt is not like emotional difficulties. Doubt is intellectual difficulties. It's when there's certain things pop up in our minds and we just can't get a grasp on it. We, we, we can't figure out why is this happening or where did this come from or who did this? Both of these dilemmas, whether it's fear or whether it's doubt, both of these constitute what the Bible calls our soul. See, we're body, spirit, body, soul, and spirit. And your spirit is full. It's, it's full of God. If you're born again, Jesus lives on the inside of you. But your life is moved by what happens in your soul. And so your emotions and your mind make up your soul, which helps you govern your decisions, which is your will. So if you and I are facing human dilemmas, I've got fear dilemmas, I've got intellectual dilemmas, I got my mind in a turmoil, my emotions in a turmoil. And so what happens? I start making bad choices or I start yielding my life in directions that are not beneficial to me. So Jesus takes one of the most natural things in our lives. He shows that human people, you and I, don't have the capacity to deal with our dilemmas. 
because he comes on the great the last and great day of the festival this is not the day of pentecost this is the uh, the feast of tabernacles this is the third of the feast that takes place in israel but he's saying to them this and it's, it's symbolic of a day that happened in the book of exodus you remember when they came out of egypt there's two things that happened one time they got to a point they had no food and their food made them to do what made them to grumble be term, be full of turmoil they got angry and they came to moses and said we don't have any food and so God did what? God gave them manna. He fed bread every morning and he gave them quail. He got meat to pile up so they had more food than they knew what to do with. It's a human need. When you're hungry and don't know how you're going to feed yourself, it creates a dilemma emotionally, intellectually. The other thing that happens is thirst. When you're thirsty and don't have any way to supply your thirst, they were walking through a desert. So they begin to grumble, the Bible says, about their dilemma. How am I going to get this? Stuff? There's all kinds of thirst. There's thirst for recognition, there's thirst for companionship, there's thirst for partnership, there's thirst for uh, provision. We have all kinds of thirst in our life. So what Jesus did is he leaned into the fact that all of humanity has thirst that they don't know how to meet. They are incapacitated in their human ability to meet the thing that they need most. So he stands up on this great day of the feast when they were taking water and pouring it out on rocks as a symbol of how God had brought water out of a rock to meet their need. And here's what Jesus said, God's not gonna follow you around with a rock and pour water out of it, but here's what he is gonna do. He said, there is coming a Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's gonna be like a river, not just one, but rivers of living water are gonna flow out of the inside of your life. I wanna challenge you today. God doesn't have just one river that's gonna satisfy the cravings in your life. He doesn't have just one way he's going to take care of the peace that you need or the, even the decision-making you need to make. He's going to have multiple rivers. There's going to be an abundant supply of Holy Spirit reality that's going to allow you to meet the very need that you can't meet yourself. I was, um, I was probably 12 years old, maybe 13, the first time I ever went to Pikes Peak. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Pikes Peak. It's part of the Rocky Mountain Range just out from Colorado Springs. Pikes Peak is one of the 14,000 feet of the, of the Rocky Mountain Range. And I remember going up on Pikes Peak that day and we rode through the mountains and one of the signs we passed as a teenager, which I didn't know what it meant, it said, this is the Continental Divide or the Great Divide. And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what is the Continental Divide? And so he was explaining to me uh, that how the Continental Divide works. And so when we came down that night, we stayed in Colorado Springs and while I was in Colorado Springs, we came to the realization, and uh, I, I didn't know it, but I found out that it was in Colorado Springs that a lady named Catherine Bates wrote the song that everybody who's watching right now would know. It's called America the Beautiful. She makes these incredible statements, and she says things that, she says, amber waves of grain, purple mountains, majesties beyond the fruited plain. And what I found out is that Catherine Bates had been up on Pikes Peak, exactly where I'd been that day, and she too had been to the Continental Divide. Now please stay with me, watch this. At the Continental Divide, what happens is the springs that create rivers in the mountains, the Continental Divide divides which direction those rivers flow. And if you look to the west, the rivers that flow off the Rocky Mountain Range to the west flow into what's primarily desert, digs deep canyons. In fact, it flows into the desert and flows southward, even uh, down towards the coast of California, or it flows into Mexico, rivers that flow out. The rivers that flow to the east flow down to the Gulf
Gulf of Mexico, or they flow, some of the rivers connect and flow all the way to the Atlantic. What are you saying? I'm saying she stood up on this mountain range. Watch this. She stood on this mountain range, and she watched how rivers affected both places. On one side, the rivers created canyons. On the other side, the rivers created fruitful plains. Both had rivers. The effect of those rivers was entirely different. I hope today, in the next couple minutes, we can look at some things that are very important to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me closely. Some of the reasons I believe that people don't know very much about the Holy Spirit are because number one, they're uninformed. You know, there's a lot of people that grew up in traditions that the Holy Spirit is maybe the third member of the Godhead, but we don't really understand at all anything about who he is, why he's present. We don't realize he's the administrator of the church. He's God with us now. And what we, and sometimes it's not just being uninformed, sometimes it's because we're misinformed. In other words, we get told all the stories that are spooky and they sort of verge on craziness and we don't understand things that are happening uh, the ways that, you know, that doesn't make sense to me in the natural mind. So I don't, I don't want anything to do with this Holy Spirit stuff because it seems like it's weird. So whether you're uninformed or misinformed today, I want to talk to you about two things specifically about the rivers that flow in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing is this. When the river of God flows in your life, first of all, and this will be on the bottom of your screen, rivers flow in you. Rivers flow. The rivers that flow in you are for formation. When a river flows across soil or across the earth, it constantly is reshaping it. You know, the amazing thing about one of the rivers that flows out of the Colorado the Colorado mountains is that it forms the Colorado river and the Colorado river flows all the way into Arizona, Northern Arizona. And it creates today what we call the Grand Canyon. And when scientists meet and geologists meet and say, how were the Grand Canyons formed? They all say it was formed by this river flowing repeatedly across the soil. And it created this incredible, beautiful Grand Canyon. Do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to work in you. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit comes to work in you first to form you. He's shaping your life. That's why there's some things about your life when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you in fullness and he comes to shape your life like a river that flows across earth. It shapes who you are. Let me tell you three areas in particular he shapes you. First of all, he shapes you in the area of your perspectives. How many of you know that you may see through your eyes, but you don't see with your eyes. In other words, your eyes don't tell you what you're looking at, your brain does. Your eyes just collect light rays. So when light comes through your eyes, it goes to your optic nerve, your optic nerve communicates with your brain stem, and then your brain begins to gather information and it determines what you're looking at. That's why there are two people that can be looking at the same thing and see something entirely different. Because you watch this, you perceive things the way you Cognate them, how you reason them. And when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, he begins to reshape your perspective on things. He allows you to recognize things differently than you used to, and he also allows you to see the world in a different way. I want, I want to say to you today that many people right now are in turmoil in their lives, even in the middle of a crisis, because they don't have a proper biblical worldview. They're looking at the world as if somehow a government, a science organization, a virus, a disease, somehow is going to control history. But I want to say to you, the proper perspective is this, 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Here's what this book says. The steps of righteous men and women are ordered by the Lord. The key is today, how are you perceiving your world? Because if your perceptions are never shaped by the Holy Spirit, you'll be looking at something and you won't even really see it for what it is. I, I, I wrote this recently on Twitter and I would encourage you to just follow me every day if you want to. But I wrote this on Twitter. Any place in your life that's under continual bondage is probably being influenced by a lie. Probably being influenced by a lie. Because we don't perceive the things that are happening in our life. It takes the river of God to shape my thinking so that I begin to think like God does. The word recognize. You know, the Bible says in Luke 19 that they, Jesus came to Jerusalem and they didn't even recognize him for who he was. John chapter 1, he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. Why? Because they couldn't recognize him. Mark chapter six, he went to his hometown. He could do no mighty miracles there. Why? Because they couldn't recognize him for who he was. Here's what I want to say to you. The word recognize means to recognize. Think again about how you're looking at things. And it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit operative in your life. Second thing he comes to shape is he comes to shape your passions. He comes to shape your passions. The things that motivate you, the things that move you. See, there are times in my, there are times in my life that I gave my passions to things that were of no value whatsoever. There's nothing worse about being inspired to do something you think is an incredible dream only to find out you leaned your ladder against the wrong wall. I don't want to spend my life doing something that I was never purposed for. So what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in my life and he begins to give me appetites for things different than the things I used to have appetites for. Some of you are watching me right now and you're saying, how am I going to deal with these, these habits, these addictions, these cravings that keep controlling my life? What do I do? It's the Holy Spirit's job to reshape you. You don't clean yourself up and then bring you to Jesus. You bring yourself to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit begins to cut through the earthly part of your life, the fleshly part of your life, he begins to shape. So Jesus becomes the beautiful thing that the world looks at and sees. You go to the Grand Canyon, you don't see dirt. You go to the Grand Canyon, you say, what a work of art. What an incredible creator. See, I'm talking to somebody right now. You think that your mess, all the stuff you struggle with, even in the area of your passions, you think, boy, I'm a mess. Nobody would want it. I don't even want to tell anybody I belong to Jesus. No, listen, tell them, because a year from now, they're going to look back and say, you know what? All I used to see was the dirt. Now what an incredible, amazing splendor of beauty I see in their life. Must be an amazing creator. He comes to reshape your perspectives. He comes to reshape your passions. And he comes to reshape your pointedness. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In other words, what are you pointing at? Where are you headed? What is it that you've got marching orders for? Listen, I've been in 79 nations of the world to preach. When I was in college, one of the things I said, when I was at Old Dominion University running from God, one of the things that I said is I will never be, I'm never going to a foreign nation. I love hotels. I like swimming pools. I like running water. I like bathrooms. Come on, somebody help me. Hit the like button right there and just keep liking everything you're looking at. But I found out that what happened is when the Holy Spirit began to work in me, I recognized, first of all, the world wasn't like I perceived it to be. Second of all, I recognized that when I got involved with what was on God's heart, God got involved with what was on my heart, and he began to turn my heart towards the things that mattered to him. See, I believe the Holy Spirit is the one. You say, I don't care about my neighborhood. You know what? When the Holy Spirit begins to shape your life, you're going to be amazed what you care about. Because the Bible says that these group of apostles who were hiding in fear 
when Jesus was crucified, were now in an upper room praying in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. They were just praying, God help us somehow. We don't know what to do. And the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came, those that were fearful all of a sudden became bold. Those that were uncaring all of a sudden wanted the whole world to know Jesus. You know what I think is happening in Bridge Church? I believe God is about to shape people with the power of the Holy Spirit so that your pointedness will point you towards the things that are on God's heart and you'll begin to see your world differently. So first of all, there are rivers that work in me. You need to say that. The Holy Spirit is working. Second thing rivers do, remember she said, I saw, I saw these purple mountains of majesty, but I also looked to the east and I saw these fruited plains, this place that was flourishing and nurtured because not only do rivers flow in me, Watch this, rivers flow through me. The rivers that flow in me are for formation. The rivers that flow through me are for demonstration. The same Colorado River that shaped the Grand Canyon, if you go about 75, 100 miles to the north, it flows right outside of a city called Las Vegas. And at that place, it flows through what is known as the Hoover Dam. It's one of the largest dams in the world. And that river flowing through those dams create incredible noise. I mean, you can stand on top of it. You can hear the noise for a half a mile, probably. It's just volumes of noise. See, some people believe, well, that's what the Holy Spirit's all about. We get to make a lot of noise. I get to speak in other languages, or maybe it's how exuberant I am. Listen, don't miss me. Don't miss what I'm about to say. It involves that. There is noise that probably some of you need to experience. But here's the issue. The water doesn't flow through the turbines at Hoover Dam to create noise. The water flows through the turbines at Hoover Dam to create power so that they can light up cities in Southern California, Northern Arizona, and Southern Nevada. All of these homes, their lights come on every night. Things begin to happen because the power is generated where the river begins to flow. I hear the Holy Ghost talking to somebody. The power is going to be generated in your life where the river is flowing. Jesus himself even acknowledged that and said that when you remember he was baptized in John, John, uh, Luke chapter 3 the dove descended on him but the Bible says that after his baptism when he came up out of the water it says that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness now watch this and the Bible says in chapter 4 verse 14 and he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit and when he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit here's what he said in verse 18 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Notice these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to. You fill in the blank. What have you been called to do? How are you going to do it? You're not just going to do it by your raw talent. You're not going to do it by your good looks and your personality. You're not going to do it because you got all the props. If life is going to flow, it's going to come because the Spirit of God has rested on my life. And now, what's this? Out of me will flow rivers. Whatever I do, the power is generated by the Holy Ghost moving in my life. You know what? You're anointed to do. You're never anointed just to be anointed. You're not anointed to glow in the dark. You're anointed to fulfill the purpose of God on your life. Acts chapter 10, verse number 38 says this. It says, and you know how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. 
We have to have the Holy Spirit's anointing in order for us to function, for demonstration to happen. What would happen in your family? What would happen in your city if ordinary believers started once again functioning under the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, you really do believe that miracles happen, sickness disappears. You have words of knowledge and wisdom that you've never had before. That's the river flowing in you and the river flowing through you. From Jesus to the apostles to the early church, all throughout every century, people have always believed that the kingdom only makes advance in places where people allow the river of the Holy Spirit to flow through them in power. I was in a gathering a few years ago of pastors and a man who's very prophetic looked at me and he said, Tony, I see a cruise of oil being poured out on your head. It's like hot oil is pouring out over your head. I'm not given to sensations, but all of a sudden I sensed a fresh anointing coming on my life. I, the Spirit of God had been working in me, but I felt this river of God just flow onto me as a supernatural anointing. And what I recognized was this. At that point, God began to empower me to do things I never thought I could do. Never understood it was impossible. I left that meeting. I ended up going to South America about three weeks later. While I was there, a baby that had been dead for four days. I prayed for a woman and that baby came back to life. That baby today is 18 years old and doing well. You say, how'd that happen? It happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would happen if you parented your children by the power of the Holy Spirit? God used to speak to my wife and I. We'd be sitting at home and the Lord would say, go to such and such street. I'd show up there and my children were there. Teenage children. They'd say, how did you know I was here? I said, the Holy Ghost knows everything because I got a river shaping me and I got a river using me. So as we close today, listen, I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me one day. He said, open up for the spirit of enthusiasm. The spirit of enthusiasm literally means this. Enthusiasm is a word that means to be full of God. In the pagan world, in the ancient world, it was because people were worshiping pagan gods and they got so full of God that they got exuberant all over the place. But in the holy world, enthusiasm means I'm so full of God that I cannot contain myself. I believe there's a call for exuberance coming to, to the Bridge Church. I believe there's a call for vital expression. I believe there's some people that are thirsty today. And the power of God is about to be released to the Jewish world. When Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was saying this, out of your seat of emotion, out of the very seat of where you and who you are, there's going to come rivers that are going to shape you and rivers that are going to empower you. Let me pray with you. I believe right now the Holy Spirit is present. For some of you, it may be a new relationship with the Holy Spirit. For some of you, it may be building a new altar. For many of you, it may be activating spiritual language. But I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will cause the rivers to flow out of your life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now, wherever people are, you'll release the rivers of God on the inside of their life. Lord, for some of them, it'll be fresh outpourings of grace to enable them to do things they've never done. For some, it'll be the shaping of their character, the shaping of their passions, their perspectives. I thank you, Lord, for some, it'll be the release of spiritual language. They'll get a supernatural language to pray. Their minds will be unfruitful, but their spirit will pray in power. And I'm asking you now in Jesus' name to do it for the glory of your son, Jesus. I love you, Bridge Church. God bless.
so bad. He went on. It's a beautiful thing to, even though in the midst of sadness, despair, perish. Jesus, oh, 
is a Savior. Jesus. So wherever you're at today, you can shout Jesus. If you're on the mountaintop, you can shout Jesus. If you're in the valley, you can shout Jesus. If you're in between, you can shout Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is for every situation and every time and season in our lives. Amen. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you're the God that is more than enough. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord that provides. And you provided Jesus for us, the Savior of the world. God, we thank you that we can gather here on this Memorial Weekend and honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. God, we remember them today and we pray for our nation. We pray for an awakening. God, we just pray for a supernatural touch on our nation, a, a supernatural unity, God, a supernatural oneness in our nation. God, we pray that Christ would be exalted in your church across our nation today. We pray for those that are gathered. We pray that you would minister to them. God, that you would speak to them, that you would heal them. God, that you would just speak a word of life into them. Those who are joining us online today, I just pray, God, grace over each one of them that you would bless them in supernatural ways. And God, on this weekend, may we make your name famous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise.